Good morning. Let me invite you just to follow along for a moment before we have our opening song. I'm going to read the silent meditation from the Westminster Confession of Faith about the church. It says, The visible church, which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel. It's not confined to one nation as before under the law. It consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children and is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ the house and family of God, outside of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. Welcome to the place and the belonging of people who belong to God. Stand with us if you're able and join us in your bulletin. All the songs are there today and we're going to be singing, O Church Arise. Amen. You may be seated and I hope you got a bulletin this morning. Let me welcome you and if you're here visiting with us and you haven't had a chance to fill out one of those blue cards that are there in the pews, uh, we would ask that you would fill that out, even if it's just an address change like we've been sharing. We're trying to update things. Uh, if you have a prayer request, you can also take those. And we have an offering box in the back on the left still that we've been using uh, throughout this time. And so if you would just place it in that box or there's a little basket next to that where the visitor cards can go. But we would love to have a record of your visit or especially know about your prayer concerns so that we can address those to the best of our ability. So please, if you would, fill those out. We do have several announcements before we continue in worship this morning. And if you'll turn to the back, I'm sure you have a lot of these. And so I won't go through each and every one. If you're not online with us, you can get these. If we have your email, Christy will send out the blast ahead of time. So some of you can even print the stuff out ahead of time before you come if you want. Or you can mark those uh, if you're computer savvy and keep up with her online. But let me just mention a few things. One, Jeff Shields with the prayer. Um, he was taken back to the emergency room. I have been taken and, and talking with Kathy. He's done better. He's coming through. They did another MRI and uh, they just need some prayer. There is a chance he may uh, be dismissed later today if things go well, but they're waiting for some more results. And so just continue to remember Kathy and, uh, and Jeff as they continue uh, to work with Jeff and, and discover and uncover uh, what it is that's going on. Also, it's not in there, but there's no youth group tonight uh, because it's the Memorial Day weekend. And so if you were planning on being here, uh, bring your own friends and your own stuff uh, <laughs> and your own lesson. We will always open the doors. We like that. Um, but also, this coming Saturday is when the yard sale, bake sale is taking place. If you have things that you want to bring, we have times on there. You have clear up until Friday night, but I promise you if you show up Saturday morning and it's something valuable, we'll, t we'll still take it. Um, but if you can't get here during these times, please let us know. We, we would like to help you and like to pick that up um, so that we could have a wonderful weekend uh, coming up this coming Saturday. So please keep that in mind. And then also next week, obviously, we're back to one service. So praise the Lord. We've made it through a, a, a journey of wilderness time in our church, which was a great time for growth opportunity. I hope that you're using it as a time, though it's not completely over, that it was a time of reflection that it was a time in your life that some of you may never face again, a once-in-a-lifetime journey. And as Nehemiah has been taking us through the same aspects in life of rebuilding, uh, sometimes we find, as they would say, the diamond in the rough. And as we rebuild, maybe this time has been a, a wonderful opportunity for you to rethink what the priorities in your life truly are. And so we're excited. We'll be back together one service but it'll be at 9.30, so please mark that down. We're going back to the original times. I don't know in the future. I haven't met with the elders. We've never talked about that beyond that. 
Uh, someone had asked me if they're going to stay that way. Uh, as I understand, the church has met at 9.30 for a long time uh, for the, uh, the one service. So I'm, I'm sure that's where they'll continue to do that. Uh, and then finally, the summer plans for the summer fun days. We've put it out there. It's called Redeemed. We're going to put a uh, plan together. We've already went through that, Nick and I, but we'll be posting that. So if you have a certain day that you want to be teaching on a certain topic, we will try to get all that communicated to you and you can sign up, pick a day. Uh, if you want to pick more than one, you're welcome to serve on all those days uh, to come and minister and to invite people to be a part of what it truly means to be redeemed. And so we're excited about that as well. Uh, but other than that, uh, all the Sunday school classes are up and running and you're welcome to join any of those. Uh, as we plan throughout the summer, uh, we'll have opportunities for you to serve, not just here in worship. But let me call us to worship in just a moment as I lead us to the throne of grace. And then if you would join me, and then I'll call us to worship as we continue. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity that, Lord, you show your perseverance, your preservation, your providence. Lord, you have shown us all these things within our lives, even in this past year and a half. Lord, what a mess. Lord, we thank you for the so many people who've worked through it. Lord, we pray for our leaders. We pray for the administration of the country. We pray for its direction. Lord, it's amazing, uh, Lord, that if we were to put our hope and our trust in men, just how lost and confused things can be. But when we place our trust in you, and when we trust that every event, every circumstance is under your control for a wonderful plan and purpose for your children, the church, Lord, it brings us assurance. It brings us confidence in what a mighty God we serve. Lord, thank you for calling us here this morning, allowing us to gather as your body so that we can extol and lift up your name. Lord, again, we have never earned it. We don't deserve it. And we know that you chose us before we could ever love you. And Lord, you did that by bringing us into that holy of holies, that sanctuary where your son took the veil and tore it asunder with his death and invited us in where we could pray together and say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me read, if I can, from a couple scriptures of Psalm 145 and Isaiah 12. Together they say, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Therefore, let us give thanks to the Lord Call upon his name and make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. We get to confess our faith together with a shorter catechism. And the questions and answers are short this morning. So get ready. So let's, let's confess together. What did God at first reveal to man for the rule of his obedience? The rule which God at first revealed to man for his obedience was the moral law. Wherein is the moral law summarily comprehended? The moral law is summarily comprehended in the Ten Commandments. And as we come to the time of confession, we think about this moral law, the law that we have not lived up to. Only Jesus did, but 
God calls us to confess our sins so that maybe we may be restored once again. So let's pray this prayer together. O Lord, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants. Lord, we are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. We have trusted ourselves and not trusted you. We have transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Now, O Lord, our God, who redeemed us through your Son, Jesus Christ, please turn away your anger and your wrath from us. Hear our prayers and petitions. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And as we confess our sins, we look to God and his grace and his promise. So receive the promise, the assurance of pardon from Ephesians 1. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Though you've sinned, though I have sinned, our trust, our confidence is in Jesus. So brothers and sisters, be assured that his blood, his sacrifice, his death and resurrection is sufficient to forgive you, to save you, and to bring you into his glory. So be encouraged this morning as we continue in worship. You may be seated, and I pray that you brought your Bibles so that you could follow along as we've been studying together in Nehemiah. Uh, there's a journey that he has been taking us on about rebuilding. And I pray in your own life, we are to the point where it's not so much about the things. We've yet to dedicate the wall. That's still coming as you've looked ahead. But sometimes we rebuild things and then we have to rebuild ourselves. And then we go back to do the things that are necessary. I thought about it as... Uh, so many of you may not realize in the dedication part of it, when people join our church, we have an opportunity for them to come forward and to repeat those vows that you have taken and to let you see those who have joined the church. And since we've been in the pandemic and had two services, we've not done that. And I thought, what a time as we go back to one service, we'll be able to have, quote, a dedication, not of building, but of people to those who have come and joined our church we'll be able to see them and to come forth and we'll invite them to be a part and in the future as people join you'll be able to see those and that's what dedication is really all about it's finally putting together all the pieces and saying look this is who we are and this is what we have to offer God and this is what God has done for us and this is where we want to obey this morning I want to challenge you on something called commission to be on a mission, to be in the city, to be active, because that's what it really means when your heart has been changed. If I were to ask you individually, please don't raise your hands. Okay? Don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever been on a mission for Jesus Christ? A service mission. Just think for a minute. How many of you have ever been on a trip, an activity, a fun ride for Jesus Christ? If I asked you how many of you have ever served on committees that entailed work for Christ, hard labor work, 
manual labor. If I asked how many of you have served in roles of leadership only, you see, the questions begin to ring through our minds. What do we mean when we're commissioned to be on mission for Christ? Because every one of us have the same commission. There's not a person in this room who does not belong to the body of Christ who has not received the great commission to go and make what? Disciples. You have no way to get around that. There is no excuse given. There is no frailty of the human makeup. It doesn't matter if you're blind. It doesn't matter if you're deaf. It doesn't matter if you've been disabled in ways. It's amazing that the commission of God entails every person who belongs to him with the opportunities to share how God has worked in their life. You can be on mission right where you are. But we live in a generation in what what used to be known, pardon my expressions, as the white flight has now become the church flight where many people are escaping the hustles and bustles of ministry and leaving to find the escaped church in the countries where there are no conflicts, there are no problems, and the people are like us. And what happens to the people who are left? See, we've been challenged. Here, Nehemiah takes us in chapter 11 to something that I want to create practically for you about are you on mission for Christ? Even in your own home, your own neighborhood, your own workplace, you have the opportunity to turn it in to a mission field to make a difference. This is what Nehemiah chapter 11 begins to tell us. I'm only going to read a few verses again. The names are not unimportant. I will be addressing them later, but... For the sake of time and not reading each and every one of them, I will save you that chapter. But I want you to see the importance as we go through of why the names are listed. Why the genealogies of the New Testament. Why the servants here. Why the wall builders. And now why the leaders in the community. There is a point to God's inspired word. It's an errand. There's a reason why every name is listed. Even though you may not know them, and you may not have never heard of them, their legacy has affected you. Now, I got one more thing. Please don't rise. You'll know some names. If I asked for some of the original members, maybe I should do that. It's not a a stake. If you are here, and you have been here since it was in the school, let's just say that. Just raise your hand. If you have been here since it's been in the school, take a glander around. Folks, these were the wall builders. These were the wall builders. These were the ones that maybe even came back earlier with Ezra and began to pray and to seek out. How many of you were here even before it met in the school and were part of the core group of prayer? Was anybody left from that? Isn't that amazing? Now, how many of you here, I want you to raise your hand, could honestly say, I don't know who those people are? Raise your hand if you don't know who those few families are. Do you see, I say this in a gentle sense, but isn't it amazing that though we may forget about who they are, we are experiencing the blessings about what they have done. And the many else that have left and gone on, 
that helped build the building, that helped put the grounds together, to help put it... And most importantly, I'll never forget what I think it was Mrs. Beale, if I say this right. It was my first visit here, and I think it's Lyle Beale, if I can say this right. If, you, if I'm not, you, you, I give you permission to correct. And I can't think of his wife's name. Bobby. I should have known that. The truth of it is, I remember at a downstairs fellowship, it was the time we were here gathering, there was people together, it was a, a gathering for the uh, celebration of how long the church has been here, and she made a comment, and I'll summarize, because I don't have it word for word, when she said, folks, we're leaving now the place to go be with family, but our hearts are still here. And she said, but I will tell you one thing, and she told a story, and she said this, it was so saddened that when they had been in churches before, or their families, that they would leave and come back. And 20 years later, they would come back to the same people in the church. And I'll never forget this because I was brand new here. She said, I pray that if we ever come back to visit, we won't see the same church people again. Let me rephrase what she was saying. I hope the church will be on commission. I hope that you will catch the fire to reach the lost and to reach new people and to grow the kingdom because there's nothing about a church that is interesting when it begins to grow stale and steady and the same and nothing ever happens. I remember one of the older couples in the church we just came from, we were sharing a building together and their average age of congregation was probably 75. Here we showed up with, you know, a bunch of kids. That was just my family. <laughs> yeah, you better stop. There's families like yours. We had a bunch of kids, and I was always worried because the building would make noise and the doors would shut and the stairs would run, and you could hear them on the third floor. You can hear them yelling in the playrooms downstairs. There's 30 some thousand square feet of offset floors and a church that had once been over 400 people that was now down to less than 30. And they couldn't afford to keep it going. They've now closed up. They've sold the building to another. And I remember thinking, Lord, please don't let these people get mad. And I took one of them aside one day, and they said, we're so excited to have you guys with us. You're bringing life back to this building. And I said, but I'm so afraid we're going to end up breaking something or offending something. And one of the couples said this, I would rather hear the children running and screaming than the walls continue creaking. Folks, that's the difference between being on a commission and just surviving. This morning I challenge you, Nehemiah puts it before the people and he says, are you still willing to be on mission or have you reached the point you just want to survive? You just want to finish out your time. You just want to coast the rest of the way. I've been reminded many a times by my kids when I retire and one of them said to me this last time, my oldest daughter said, Dad, I don't think the Bible says preachers ever get to retire. We're never off mission. Here's what Nehemiah says as I remind you this morning, the importance of what God has called you to do. Listen carefully. Chapter 11, now the leaders of the people, not just Nehemiah, the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, the place where they were building, the place they wanted to have, the place that God had promised would one day be rebuilt, the place that Revelation, which they didn't have at the time, would tell us would become a holy place, a city built, not just a literal city, but the city of God. But in their minds, it was the place God would bring promise. These people lived there. The rest of the people that weren't cast lots 
to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. And these are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem. But in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his property in their towns. Israel, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. Let me stop there for just a moment and talk to you about what does it take to be a church that's commissioned by God. I'll give you several things. I want to pull in some years of experience in church planting, if I can, along with what the text is telling us. Again, I don't want to forego all the names that are listed. You could jump ahead if you wish, and you will see in the first verses of chapter 12, these are the priests and the Levites, the spiritual leaders chosen to keep the laws of God who came up with Zerubbabel, a century. These are the sons, let me rephrase this, these are the covenant children of those that were commissioned by God to make a difference in the rest of life. And the children are now reaping the benefits of what the early generations came to set forth. You may have said, you know, we started this church in a school. Our goal was to always reach its community, but it seems like we go two steps forward and three steps back, or four steps forward and another step back. And sometimes you don't see the outcome. But are you building this for yourself? Or are you commissioned to make disciples so that this becomes the place people come to know Jesus Christ? I can tell you on Saturday mornings when the food ministry comes through, something my wife has fell in love with since we've been here. I enjoy watching it takes place. It's a wonderful opportunity. I wish there were ways to continue some of the old coffee house characteristics and the opportunity to pray with people. And, but folks, if you want to see a church that's still been commissioned through the pandemic, you should come on Saturday mornings when up to 40-some cars line the parking lots waiting for boxes of food, not just people food, even animal food, pet food. We give them paper towels, toilet paper, the goods they need, but that's not the best part. The best part of it is you're building relationships because many of these people have come time and time again. You know, this past weekend surely challenged me. I don't know what all went on in the meetings. Sometimes more gets accomplished when I'm not there, so I'm good to not be in those. But when the food ministry met, I was only encouraged to hear them talking about changes that could be made where we could start actually meeting the needs of the people other than food. I ask you this morning, you haven't been able to help with the food but maybe you could help fix a leaky roof, change a leaky faucet, fix a broken couch, trim the bushes, fix the broken steps, put in the wheelchair ramp. You see, these are the things that a church that is on mission begins to realize. That we're not just here to exist. It's not just about our grounds. Folks, you cannot supersede the green team. We have learned that. 
Man, they got it down. It's pat. It looks good. They do the work right. Just stay out of the way. I remember asking Pastor Meyerhoff one day. He showed up, and he was riding a tractor. And I said, when do I get to do that? And he pulled off the little green team hat. And he says, when you get promoted like I have been. <laughs> I got me a hat. I just don't have the right to wear it yet. You see, that was a promotion to be able to get out and serve and to not just do the things that we think everybody else is doing. And it's not just because we give our money. Folks, if that's the way you give and you've got the gift of mercy, give it all. I have met people in my life, and I hate to say this, but I've learned to ask. You'd be amazed how many times in my life I tease people. This little picnic table that we have out front, I don't mind sharing with you. It was sitting in the next to trees, this little cement table is propped up against, turned sideways in one of our streets, and I met the lady. And when she told me she was one of Woody Waddell's customers, I thought, oh, I got the in route here. We got her cornered. And I did. I asked her, Ollie, do you mind? I have a crazy question for you. She said, what's that? I said, there's this old cement. She said, take it. I didn't even get it out of my mouth. And she was like, you can have, what do you want it for? And I said, I just think it would look great for our church to be able to have a place where people could come and sit, talk out front, maybe turn it into a prayer. Folks, these were just visions. They may never come about. But I learned one big thing. It sure made her sister feel good to know that she was able to give something that would help our church. You see, some people just want to give. I'll remind you, you have not because what? You ask not. You see, the church that's on mission, commissioned by God, is not afraid to ask. Because you can't see the miracles of God take place if you don't ask for them to take place. You don't know what God has in store for you if you don't ask God to reveal what's in store for you. There are so many people out there hurting. We have learned that through the pandemic when divorce rates have skyrocketed, abuse has skyrocketed, child neglect has skyrocketed, suicide. Folks, we are living in turmoil right now because we were told that the church was non-essential. The family unit, we've always been told, isn't the important unit. And now we just realized in one year that if the families don't function right, kids can't make it without the public schools. I want you to hear me clearly. Because it was the public schools that make sure they're fed, cared for, concerned for, watched out for. You ask yourself, well, what happened to mom and dad? And then the school turns around and said, we're sending the kids home. To what? To what? Folks, I'm not against the public schools. I pray for my leaders. I want the schools to be successful. And I'll tell you why. Listen to this carefully. It goes back to being a church that's concerned about its whole community. Not about separating itself from those we live with. Oh, I remember when Homer Lindsay and Jerry Vines, co-pastors of the downtown Jacksonville, one of the largest Baptist churches that ever existed, it was called the Miracle of Downtown Jacksonville. They transposed Jacksonville into a mega church facility as they bought out blocks and blocks of the city. And I remember when Homer Lindsay stood up and he said, Folks, for those of you who homeschool, that's okay. But I would encourage you instead to get involved in these schools and make a difference. 
Oh, I'll never forget that. We homeschool. I'm not saying if you homeschool, it's wrong. But I've always kept in mind, folks, if you homeschool, then your kids better be in the sport programs. They better be in the arts programs. They better be in the community programs. They better be involved in the small groups and other opportunities. Because we have been commissioned by God to make a difference. Go ye, therefore, and change the world. And make disciples. You cannot make disciples until lost people get saved. Oh, listen to what Nehemiah says quickly. What kind of people are these? Well, we learn in verse 1 right away, these are people who are willing. They're people who are willing. The church needs to be a church that wants to reach its community with people who are willing. Too many churches are unwilling. And no matter what you bring up, it's always, well, you know, we've tried that. Well, we once before. Well, years ago. Folks, it's the same old, same old. It's almost as though, okay, we didn't get exactly what we wanted, so let's just quit. No, let's not quit. Let's pass the torch. Let's pass the torch to those who are willing, to those who are ready, to the ones Christ has reached. Because it says here, the leaders of the people were already there in the community. They had already moved to the city. Let's keep it in context. They had already moved within the walls to the place they were going to protect. And what good is it protecting that which has nobody? They built the walls around the place God promised he would be. I wonder if God promised Davidsonville would be a place. And he put a hedge around it with the leaders who would begin to live there. And then he would begin to find the people who would be willing to serve there and then he would begin to change the dynamics of the place and then one day be on mission for him man where are we not only the people that are willing it's the population folks that's what we're looking for you can't build a kingdom without population let's just be honest we take census of everybody that exists if the church had a census today how many people would be a part I don't know the actual number, but I can tell you this. Statistics tells us that since the 1940s, the church identification with Christianity is slowly doing what? I can tell you what we're doing. We're dying. Because we're too busy concerned about what's going wrong with the world and what, what could be done to change it rather than getting involved in it. You could make the difference. Don't wait on somebody else. You can reach your neighbor. You can help with their children. You can teach them the truths. You can show them the way to heal, way to overcome, the way to reconcile. You can be on mission, commissioned by God all the time so that the church goes forward and the community is reached. But it's not only that. Listen to the ones. They're people who are ready to participate, not just willing Pastor, I'm willing, whatever it is you want me to do. Well, let's do this. Well, that's not kind of what I had in mind. No. The step beyond having population, people who are willing, is to have people who are ready to participate. Listen to what it said. They cast the lots to bring one out of ten. Now, folks, there are many different stories about casting lots and why do we trust the providence of God? And it's happened throughout the Old Testament. Somehow, God used the miraculous means of casting lots, whether it was for who would go with the armies to fight, whether it was who would take the clothes of Jesus, or whether it was here and who would live within the cities. Somehow, miraculously, God used what we would call an object of chance, which we know doesn't exist, 
and he would reveal his will to his people and they could follow and be on mission. Now, why do we do that today? Well, folks, in Scripture, since the time of Pentecost, we don't have the casting of lots. Would you have any idea why? We don't need to roll the dice when we have the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures, true? You see, there's no question about should I serve God today? Does God want me to serve? Where would he like? These aren't a matter of casting lots. These are a matter of obedience. I can answer that question for you. Does God want you to serve? I got the answer for you. What is it? Yes. Let me find the one Christian that God says, I don't want you to serve. That would be the harder task. You see, we're not casting lots for what it is. The question is, are you commissioned? Have you lost your desire and your willingness to reach your city and to not just run away and hide to the outskirts? Oh, I began to think about it one time when Jesus came and he ministered to those on the periphery. On the outside, all those people that ran from the cities, neglected maybe in hiding. Well, let me remind you, you can't hide from Jesus. You can run, but you can't hide. We learned from Jonah that when God calls you, you'd better what? Yeah, you better run faster and farther than he did. No. The truth of it is we've been commissioned. We need people who are willing. We need people ready to participate. That's what they are. They're casting lots. And listen to what it says. They offered their lives willingly. I love this part in verse 2. You casted a lot, and then we were rewarded for doing it willingly. Isn't that amazing? I think what really happened, if I could go back and with all the commentators that are... It wasn't a matter of nobody wants to come. Okay, it's you. All right, let's reward them for volunteering. That's the draft, right? No. I think what happened is they had way more than one out of ten that wanted to come. And so they cast the lots and said, no, right now we still need the nine out of ten to defend the outside. But we need the one out of ten to come on the inside. And we thank you for being the one willing to come and catch this. Participate. There was a cost. There was a cost. Because in the casting of the lots, it meant, listen to this, to be on commission for God... Some would have to leave their families. Some were not going to keep all their children together. Some were not going to have mom and dad next door the rest of their lives. Some were going to have to know that the grandchildren were going to be a whole lot different than the others because they would be away. And the cost would be that only those who had a heart for the commission would know the same thing Shirley Strait said to her son, Jerry, I hate to see you go, but I know it's what God wants you to do. Yeah, I'll be one that tells you. My brothers and sisters, sometimes more like acquaintances. We spent our lives serving the Lord, planting churches, going where he's called. Oh, but I trust I would rather be in the center of his will than being one of those gods constantly reaching out to bring back. Where are you this morning? Are you in the center of his will? Or are you in the process of God saying, Cook, it's time to come back. It's time to be involved on what really matters. It's time to make a difference. 
You've lived there 10 years, 20 years. You've been in the same place most of your life. What difference have you made? Or does it matter? You see, we need those who are willing. We need those who are ready to participate. But listen, they organize with a plan. That's what verse 3 and following is all about. Folks, I'm not going to give you all the names, but they brought together the priests, the Levites, the leaders, those with the gates, those with the singers. We've done this before and four. Every person had a place in part of the plan. You don't reach a city with one individual. Folks, if we're going to reach our communities, we've got to work together. We've got to use all the gifts We've got to have everybody involved because not all of us can be all things to all people. Oh, we can try our best to do what God's called us to do, but we need a plan. I remember telling Nick when he asked us how we were going to do it, how do you know what your Jerusalem and Judea is? I'll tell you the same thing I said before. Get out a map, just pick the county, pick where you live, and draw a one-mile circle around your house. You can tell whether or not you're prejudiced. I'm being honest. You draw that one-mile circle and ask yourself, have I talked to everybody in that circle? Or did I skip over a few neighborhoods? Did I jump a few trailer parks? Have I looked beyond the nose of a few within my circle and started immediately reaching out to the bigger circle? Truth of it is, it's easier just to reach the world. You know why? I know I'm not expected to go to Africa, Europe, or Asia, so I can just send some money, be on the prayer avenues, be a part of the prayer cards, and we can feel like we're involved and look right over the ones that live right next door. They've always been a problem, people. They have too many kids. They make too much noise. They don't listen. Oh, are you a people that are willing Are you a people that are ready to participate? And are you ready to be a part of a plan? Oh, Nehemiah said it earlier, without a vision, the people what? Perish. In other words, they stop serving. There's no need to go on. There's no purpose. And finally, they need to be a people filled with the gospel power. That's where we get it. All these children of Zerubbabel, those that came back, those that read the law, those that got in the scriptures, those that repented, those that changed their lives. Do you know where all this comes from? Is in Jeremiah chapter 29. Let me read you something as I go forward. Why do we need people who are willing, ready to participate, part of a plan, and most importantly, filled with the gospel power? You can't just save people with lifestyle evangelism. If there's no gospel in your lifestyle, just being a good person has only proven that every religion in the world works for yourself. As long as it works for you and it makes you feel good and you're better about yourself, then that religion works. That's not being commissioned by God. You've got to have the gospel in your life. These are the people that took the gospel, if you wish, the message, the power of God. It wasn't the New Testament. But listen to what Jeremiah brought to this, and I'll try to bring together chapter 29. Listen to these people who've come back from generations. They're rebuilding their lives because of sin. Let's keep it in the context. They're coming back because their grandparents rebelled against God, and God punished them. And because God was dealing with how they were acting and who they were serving, he sent them into exile. They went to Babylon, Jeremiah 29, verse 4. Thus 
says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Folks, they came back home. God promised them he would bring them back. He's the one that sent them on a mission. What do you mean a mission? Listen to the prophecy. Verse 5. This is what God tells the people to do in Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens. Eat their produce. Take wives Have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters to them in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Now hold on a minute. You're saying, wait, whoa, whoa. I thought Nehemiah and them just went through a whole place of separating themselves and why they weren't supposed to be apart. How is it that God told them to be apart? Well, look at verse 7. Seek the welfare of of the city where I sent you in exile and prayed to the Lord on its behalf. In its welfare, you will find your welfare. Take their sons as they've been converted. Get their daughters as they've been reached with the truth. Take their communities as you've showed them what it means to be servants while you're a slave. To be a heart for a passion when you're in a place you don't want to be. When you realize life isn't what you thought it would be, you can still be there because this is why. God has sent you there. In the midst of the pandemic era, did we plant gardens Did we reach our communities? And did we pray for the welfare of our people? So that when we were done, we had changed the place. And we had made a difference because of who we are and who sent us there. I ask you again this morning, are you commissioned by God? Yes, but pastor, I feel like I'm in a place I don't want to be. Well, God sent the exiles. Believe it or not, it's actually a promise that he's fulfilling to the covenant promise of Abraham. Do you remember what God told Abraham? He said, I will give you the land. I will give you the seed, the offspring that would be the Messiah. And I will make you a blessing to the nation. Folks, the Great Commission didn't start in Matthew. The Great Commission started the moment he chose Abraham. And wherever you go, and wherever I place you, I'm asking you to be a blessing to the nations. To be on mission for me. To make a difference where you live. To get involved in your community. To root in. To be a part And to see the welfare change. Have you made a change where you live? Has our church made a change where we are? How do I do that, Pastor? I'll close. These are the wisdom from Jerry. 25 years as a church planter and a missionary. I shared... 
this past week as many times, why do you think God really brought you here, Jerry? I don't know. Most of my gifts of administration, I like teaching. I like rebuilding. I like seeing the vision come together. I like to see people being taught and discipled. Put that all together, I just really like being on mission for God. And then he sends us through a pandemic. Man, you could have found a better preacher. You could have found a more wise doctorate than mine. You probably could have found someone that's much more compatible to be with at times. Ask my wife. You probably could have found someone you wanted. But I truly believe God called me here. Because he knew we'd be a church that had to get back on track of missions. And he would stop everything. Throw us in a wilderness. Stop everything around us. And then say, Jerry, you've built walls before. You've gathered the people before. And you've changed the communities you've lived in. That's why I brought you here. And I'm asking you. I only need one out of ten. One out of ten. To cast your lot. Pastor, I'm willing. I want to participate. I want to be part of the plan. And I want to bring the gospel power. How? Let me close. you got to identify. I don't care if you're the employer of any business. If you don't identify with those around you, they'll never follow. You want to reach your community, identify with them, hurt with them, work with them, heal with them. Identify with your people. Second of all, you've got to be indigenous. Don't just change everything. Plug into where they are. Be a part of what they are. Enjoy the things God's given them. I remember when Jeff Shields, when I first came here, talking about vision stuff, there's always someone that cuts you down at the quick, right? And keeps you humble. I remember Jeff made a comment one time. He said, well, you know, God's been at work here for 25 years already. It's not like Jerry has to come and start the work. God's already been at work. God's already been changing lives. And he can do it as Marylanders do it. He can do it as any political party would do it. He can do it with any color of skin. I'll tell you who we should reach. Every person in our circle. Red, yellow, black, or white. Whatever sport, whatever art, whatever gathering, and whatever community. If you're not reaching those around you, you're not on commission. And you're not on mission. You've got to identify, you've got to be indigenous, and here's the best part, you've got to be incarnational. You've got to let Christ come through. You are not a witness just by feeding somebody. The state does that. You're not on mission just because you helped heal somebody. Every hospital does that. 
You're not on mission just because you made someone feel better. Every counselor and psychologist does that. You're only incarnational when Christ comes out. And the gospel presentation comes forth. And you can ask them, has Christ made a difference in your life? Let me tell you how he's changed mine. And you've just joined the mission. We've just said we're willing to change our community. I only need one out of ten. The rest of you, I want you to stay in your neighborhoods. I want you to stay where you live. I want you to stay in your jobs. And I want to reach the community for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for commissioning us to make disciples. Lord, I pray that if your Holy Spirit works this morning, that you would show us where it is we can serve right where we are. Lord, we don't have to pick up and move our homes. But Lord, if we're willing to live where we minister, Lord, let us not move to a place where we can hide, where we can just get away. Put us in the midst of the struggles of our communities so that we can identify. Lord, help us to feel what they feel so that we know how you make a difference in their lives. And Lord, shine through. Rebuild us here this morning. Commission us. Set us aflame. We've built the walls. We've gathered together. We're ready to reach. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you had received the benediction, Paul simply said, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And God's children said, Amen. Amen. Have a great Lord's Day.